You're listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest in sports betting from KC Sports Network, featuring Benny and the Bets, hosted by local media personality and betting aficionado, Benny Heisler. Let's get to the show. What is good, everybody? Welcome into a special edition of Benny and the Bets. And maybe I say that every week. Um, this is special for me because we got the NBA Finals coming up and one of my favorite people, not just to talk hoops with, but just life in general, sports, hoops, everything. One of my one of my former co-workers uh, over at BetSide and at Minute Media, uh, Public Pete, Peter Dewey, at Peter Dewey 2 on the Tweet Machine. You should be reading his work over at BetSide and across the fan-sided network. Um, he's been as locked in as anybody as I've ever met when it comes to NBA and what I love about you too, Peter, as I, I just make your face turn a little bit more red as I put you on to the program. First of all, it's great to see your face. I'm glad. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, Peter, just like a couple hours ago, you know, puts on his Instagram story, you know, just just finished seven mile run. It's only like eight o'clock at night. Um, people say that they grind in this space. It's kind of like their their things. Like, We're just going to grind it out. Like, Peter, you enjoy the grind. I think some people Love talk it. the talk when it comes to grinding things out and writing and working. I, I haven't met anybody like you that that fully has embraced being in this space as much as you. And, and that's why it's so much fun to talk to you. Ben, I got to say, first off, I'm super excited to be here ever since the Benny and the Vets started. I've been waiting. Uh, you had texted me and you said, I got to have you on at some point. So I've been waiting for this. It's great to see you. Um I appreciate it, man. I do when, especially when it comes to basketball, I love the grind. I mean, my days, you know, go through the day, preview all the games. And then I've been training for a half marathon. So I get my run in after work and then it's just come and watch as much basketball as I possibly can. I'm like days like today when we have no games have like hit me really hard in this playoffs. Cause I'm just so used to, that's like my routine during the NBA season. So I'm glad we still got the NBA finals coming up. I'm hoping this is going to be, I think a lot better series than people think it's going to be. I, I think so, too. And now that you mention it, you're training for a half marathon. Ian McMillan, I think, just finished a half marathon. He did. If you're doing some sort of like a sports betting content corporate challenge, like who's who's beating you guys in cross country right now? Like we can still get up and go. Uh, you got yourself who's been an avid runner. Ian's getting himself back, especially after a half marathon. I don't know if Brian is, is, is running any any track anytime soon, but um, Joe, good athlete as well. Um, who am I missing? Our, our guy from, uh, he's going to be so mad that I, I totally placed, spaced out on his name. Oh, Josh. 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 Yeah, Josh, yeah, Josh Urich is an actual runner in college as well. Like, who's? Who's stepping up against you guys? Nobody. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. I got the I'm running the half marathon on Sunday, so I got five days to go. Um, been it's been a lot. It's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life training for this thing, but it's been super fun, like super rewarding, super fun. I've always like enjoyed running, so it's kind of like a it's a nice like break, kind of get myself you know out of the apartment on days when I'm working from home. It's it's a good thing. So when 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 in the run do you feel like Wait, I still got, I still got how many more miles to go? Like, because for me, like I, I'm usually good about like three miles or so. Like right around that five k mark, I, I feel pretty good about myself. I can get through it. Anything more than that, I'm going. Wait, I, I got to do how many more miles? I, I got to keep going for this long. What, when do you hit that point, if at all? So it's, it's definitely changed throughout 
training for this. So my my cousin, who I'm very close with, he's a was a division track one track runner at Bucknell. He runs marathons now like crazy. So he's been training me for the last six months. Kind of gave me like a program and everything. And at first, like you get to like four or five miles when you're first starting on, you're like, damn, like thirteen and point one. That's that's a lot. Like it's a lot. And I I've ran two practice half marathons over the past couple months. And I think probably like the 10 mile mark is where I start to feel like the fatigue. And at okay. first it was like, it's more like the mental fatigue. You get like the legs, but it's, it's more the mental fatigue where you're like, I got three more, like, holy moly. I think the, my big thing is I'm, and I'm hoping on Sunday I can do it. Just like kind of push through, like get to that point and just be like, Hey, like the thing I keep telling myself, cause I hurt my foot while I was training for this, my left foot, like multiple times I had to take mm-hmm. like weeks off in between and it kind of threw me off. But the whole thing I keep telling myself is after Sunday, if I don't want to, which won't be the case, but if I don't want to, I don't have to run again for like a year. Like if I didn't want to, like I, I'm, I'm probably going to end up running that weekend, like the following weekend to give myself like a week off maybe. But I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this is all in for 13.1 miles. You're done. And if you don't want to run, you don't have to run for a few days. So that's kind of what's getting me through. I, I think you're going to do great. Worst case scenario is that if you're feeling like you're not up for it, you got the voice of Ian in the back of your head going, if I can do it, that you that better is, do it. That like, is he will, he will give you so much shit if you don't finish this race. You know it. And oh, I think yeah. all the more reason that uh, you, you got to be able to, to represent, which I know you will. So we're here to talk NBA Finals. And before we actually kind of dive into the matchup, um, we were joking before we came on today that you and I are both holding some Denver Nuggets futures. Um, I think you had to get an 18 to 1. I was able to get one at a sportsbook in Kansas, 20 to 1. Um, so we're both feeling pretty good. Heading into this series, I kind of want to start outside and then work our way in. When we were putting together, this was back when I was at Betside as well, our season preview, I like the Nuggets because having Murray back adds that whole different dimension that they were missing from last year. And ironically enough, even though during the regular season, they still had their issues on defense and Jokic at times, even though we can have the back and forth debate on who should have really been in the MVP as Jokic has taken off in the postseason, the dynamic for Denver in which they're playing through each other, moving without the ball, but also defending in the postseason has been night and day from what we saw in the regular season. What what gave you the confidence early on that you thought Denver could be here at the end of the year? Yeah, the first thing I saw, and I think we might have been, we were doing uh, the Daily Bet Slip show and we did this. I talked about it because I was going back through the old video Um the number was just crazy at the time. Like they were in the same spot as like Memphis and some of these other teams. And like, I know a lot of people are high on Memphis coming into the season, but we had never seen Memphis get past the second round. Like right. Denver went to the Western conference finals in 2020 and like, yeah, it was the bubble. And I know a lot of people kind of want to discount that. Well, those four teams made the conference finals this year. So I think the ba- the bubble was kind of validated um, by this entire season. Um, but like you said, Jamal Murray being back was huge. Like they made the sixth seed in the West in a tough Western Conference last year. Michael Porter Jr. played nine games. Jamal Murray played zero games. Will Barton, uh, Austin Rivers, and uh, Facundo Campazzo were playing playoff minutes for them. Like I'm, I've been a huge Jokic supporter. I thought he should have won the MVP again this year. But like you, just, they just need to give him serviceable players. Like they, they weren't. You take Jokic off that team last year, and I've talked about his plus-minus numbers on-off, like why he's so Like, they were like the worst team in the NBA when he was off the floor from a plus-minus perspective. So when you add a 
borderline all-star Murray and just a knockdown shooter scorer and Michael Porter Jr., like immediately the ceiling becomes higher. And I just think when you looked at the West, like there were concerns about other teams, the Clippers with the injury concerns, obviously Golden State took a bit of a step back this year. The Lakers, we didn't really know, you know, before the trade deadline, they were completely out of it. So there was just a lot of question marks, I thought, across the West. And the one thing that if Murray was healthy, which he is, like was like, hey, we know Jokic is as a floor if he's going to get them to the six seed. You give them these two guys, like they might get a top, I, I think I said at the time, a top three seed and they finished with a one. So um, obviously feeling good about the future, but I think this is something that a lot of people coming in, like you could kind of see it coming if you knew how impactful those two guys are. So right now, if we're looking at it, and again, for for purposes of this show, we'll we'll go ahead and, and just go off the the numbers of DraftKings right now. So the Nuggets, in this, I don't want to say this is unheard of, Pete, to have a big of a favorite as Denver, but given the seating, given the fact that Miami's coming off of a Game 7, Denver is minus 400 to win this series, that he'd come in at plus 310. So for anybody in our situation, you can look at it and say, well, now you can go ahead and guarantee a hedge with Miami, at plus value, but the question is whether or not it's the right value. So given what you have seen from Miami this postseason, and given the fact that they were up 3-0 against a very good Boston team, but I think what they did in Game 7, this is part of the reason that I like them to cover in Game 7, I didn't bet them outright, but I did think they knew how to make Boston become a bit one-dimensional. And we even saw it in the series, too, in the last two games, Peter, was... If Boston is going to be limited to a three-point shooting team, Miami could get blown out, which they had in a couple of games. But if Boston starts missing threes and they don't adjust, like it's weird to think about that. It's the way the game is played right now. You need to be a good outside shooting team. You know that the statistical advantage is going to be coming from the three-point line. But Miami, to their credit, adjusted. And they played Boston behind the three-point line. And they didn't take those chances to go inside. And so I look at Miami now going, okay, now it's a different kind of beast going up against Denver where they can be inside and outside. Boston could have done that, but they chose not to. So this matchup as a whole, give me your perspective on how Miami kind of ruffles the feathers on Denver, if at all. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different matchup. I think the... The difference for the Celtics is they don't have a true post presence. And I think they've kind of been looking for that for multiple years. And they just haven't really found the right guy in the, the trade market. So they haven't pulled the trigger. Like, in theory, who is Boston dumping the ball into? Like, their post-ups are Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum post-ups when they get mismatches. And, I mean, to be quite frank, Jalen Brown was horrible the entire series. So it's very hard when one of those guys isn't going and you don't have, like, a way to get easy baskets in the paint. They, they took a lot of threes regardless. I thought they settled way too much in both Game 6 and Game 7 for jump shots, and I know Barkley was absolutely killing them at halftime last night, yeah. and he was right. I mean, you're in a win-or-go-home win scenario, and I know Tatum got hurt on the first play, but they, they just like live by the three, die by the three. You just can't do that. And so Denver does shoot a ton of threes, and they shoot the ball well from three, but they don't live and die by it. Like Obviously, Aaron Gordon... Um, can kind of be that slasher role, but they play through Jokic in the high post and the low post so much where they get a bunch of backdoor cuts. They get open looks from basically everywhere because he's such a great passer. So I'm very intrigued to see how Eric Spolster defends this. Do they want to go zone? 
because you look at the past couple seasons, Jokic has absolutely dominated Bam Adebayo. Last two seasons, he's shooting 63% when guarded by Bam Adebayo, 17 for 27. And over the last three seasons, he scored 52 points and had 25 assists in 44 minutes guarded by Bam um, per NBA's tracking. So, like, I don't know how much you're going to want to be willing to play one-on-one Jokic and Bam. It's just, there's nobody, I thought, the two guys in the entire NBA I would consider wanting to guard Nikola Jokic are probably Bam Adebayo and Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis could not hold him one-on-one, and Bam is giving him like three more inches than Anthony Davis is height-wise. So I wonder if he plays zone and tries to force Aaron Gordon to make jump shots because that's kind of your your move. That's kind of what the Lakers tried to do with, um, in that series. Is they were like, we're going to leave Aaron Gordon. Then Mike Mullen adjusted. He said, okay, Aaron Gordon's just going to run the baseline the whole rest of the series, and we're not going to even let him you know, sit outside and shoot threes. So it's, it's going to be a chess match. I, if any coach can find a way to get something, it's Spo. He's unbelievable. But I just think the way, like Denver has multiple ways to score. I just don't think Boston had the the post presence. If Denver can get Jokic going one-on-one, it's going to open up so much. That's, that's why I just think for Miami, it's going to be such a tough series to win. So looking at it, from a whole, you mentioned um, the ability, and we talked about this with Denver. Um, Jokic obviously averaging just under 30 points a game, a little more than 13 rebounds, uh, triple-double in the postseason. Um, the Nuggets offense has an offensive rating just under 120. Where I think Den- where I think Miami, and, and maybe this is where I think sort of a, a betting perspective can come in, if we're looking at game one, then we can work our way outwards to those series. Uh, right now you have the Nuggets, and again, it goes back to sort of the numbers that we talked about. Nuggets are eight and a half point favorites in game one at home. We know their numbers consistently over the course of the year at home. I tend to think, and again, I, I don't necessarily have the, the sample to back it up at this point, but more often than not, the team with this type of rest could find themselves in a bit of a peculiar situation, at least in game one when they're trying to get their timing back, when they're trying to get the rhythm back, and Miami is coming off a massive win where they were dominant the entire way. Maybe they don't have as much time to prepare, but they're also the team that has been playing. And Russ does play a role. I, I'm kind of looking at this eight and a half for game one and saying to myself, I kind of like Miami to keep it a little bit more close than most would expect. And then eventually that's when you start to hammer home on Denver. What's your perspective on game one, whether it be a side, whether it be a money line, whether it be a total uh, for this initial opening matchup? So I agree with you with I think there's a a definite argument for Miami to cover in this game. I do think Denver ends up winning. Um, you look at the last, I think it's, I, this is an all-time stat. I believe our guy Reed actually at Betside gave me this one tonight. Uh, 33 and 53 straight up in game one teams, uh, following a game seven in the history of the NBA. So that's a tough, tough hill to climb for Miami, obviously coming off that game seven. But I do think there's a case for them to cover here because Denver hasn't played in over a week. So it's just to ask them to come out and just be firing. Like there's only so much you can do to prepare for game action, especially NBA finals game action. And I also think if Miami wants to win any of these games or any of the series, they got to do what they did all year in the regular season and slow the game down. I know in the playoffs, they've had a lot more high-scoring games. I think uh, up until game four against Boston, they had scored over 110 points in every playoff game, except for when they played my New York Knicks, which I was very happy to see. Um, 
So, which is crazy. I mean, that's eight games against the Bucks and the Celtics. They put up over 110 points in each of them. I just don't think that's not how they're going to beat this Denver team, especially in the altitude in game one. Um, right now, I haven't I haven't made a pick for game one yet because I kind of want to see where the line moves. I would lean Miami plus eight and a half here just because it's a one that's a huge number in an NBA Finals game, regardless of the matchup. Like, it, it is a huge number. And two, I just don't, like Denver beat the Lakers, but it wasn't like the Lakers were not in any of those games. They were in basically every single one of them into the fourth quarter. Right. Um, and then kind of Los Angeles just didn't have the shot making to get there. I do think Miami might have the shot making and Jimmy Butler to be able to at least hang around late in these games. So game one, I, I agree with you. The rust factor can play play a little bit there. If anything, I will lean with Miami right now. One other thing that you can get into, and we'll get to this on the other side, is there might be an angle that you can consider live in this game for game one. Plus, Pete and I are going to go over some more bets for the series, including some of our favorite props, who we like for NBA Finals MVP, and a little bit more as well. Stay with us. Peter Dewey of BetSided is with us right here on Benny and the Bets. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right. Peter Dewey from Betsided and Fansided is with us. My former colleague uh, over at Minute Media. So glad that he is here with us on Benny and the Bets. So you brought up a really good point uh, with regards to the rest factor. And even though Miami kind of is already in this weird, unorthodox situation of being the eight seed in this spot anyway, from John Ewing over at BetMGM says the Nuggets are going to have 10 days before game one of the NBA Finals. Since 2005, NBA playoff teams with more than a week of rest, eight plus days, have gone 18 and nine against the spread. Uh, you got that information over at Bet Labs. Now, again, I don't think we are accustomed, Peter, to seeing an eight and a half point spread in game one of the NBA Finals. So that to me is the only caveat that I think we should consider with regards to that number. Yes, it's always going to factor in Denver. Yes, you're dealing with the altitude. That plays a role as well. But I also think most of these times we're seeing four-point spread, five-point spread. I think you're looking double that against the Miami team that's just shown that they belong. The other thing that I think is worth considering, and you know this is sort of an avenue that you and I both love to talk about, is teams that are dominant in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. That's Denver. Denver has been amongst the best teams in the NBA in covering the spread in the first quarter winning out in the first quarter all throughout the course of the series. They will be at home. Miami's trying to match their intensity. They will have an opportunity to do so in the second when Jokic is going to be out in, in the first four or five minutes as far as their, their, their rotational minutes. If you like Miami, minus eight and a half, I think one area that I would consider for game one, if you're looking to bet it live, is to wait until Jokic gets off the floor. Once that happens... If Denver gets off to the, the strong start that we're accustomed to seeing from them, particularly at home, to me, that's the opportunity to jump in on perhaps a double-digit line for Miami. What's your perspective on maybe going in from a live bet, and is there any other uh, perspective within the course of Game 1 or, or really throughout the series from a trends perspective that you notice with both of these teams? So I love that you brought up the first quarter angle because I feel the same way. I think we're probably going to see a two and a half or a three probably in that first quarter. I love that for Denver. Obviously, they're like they have the best, I believe, best net rating and offensive rating at home in the first quarter of this season. Um, and they've been money at home in the playoffs, eight and zero in the playoffs, thirty four and seven in the regular season. 
Um, I also think that's kind of the, it's a caveat here. It's a two way. So I'm thinking take Denver in the first quarter. If they somehow don't win that first quarter, I would probably double down on Denver's game spread at that point because it's probably going to be less than the eight and a half. That would be the way I'd go for it because I do think they're going to win game one. And like you might end up only hitting one of them. There's a chance you hit both of them if you really, if like, you know, if you decide to go double down. But I agree with you too, the Jokic minutes. They even now with the, like with Murray and quarterback, they still kind of get killed in the non Jokic minutes, which is absolutely absurd it really is it's why he i think he's the mvp so i do agree with that miami angle if you can get them at double digits i just don't think i can't see miami getting blown out like even the game what was it, game four that they lost against boston where it looked like they just did not have it the whole game like they didn't really get blown out per se like they lost by 17 but like jimmy sat the entire fourth quarter because spo was kind of like let's call the dogs off like i don't know if they do that in game one of the nba finals if it kind of starts to get out of hand um so I do, I do like that aspect. Speaking of like live, I also think there's a opportunity in the player prop space, live player prop um, for Jimmy Butler is the guy I would look at just because he's had this tendency in some of these games where if one of the role guys for Miami has it going early, they kind of defer to him, whether it's Caleb Martin or like last night, Gabe Vincent made like his first two shots. They gave him, they were running some plays through him. Like if Jimmy Butler, his points probably is probably going to be 28 and a half. I'd assume maybe 29 and a half. Uh, it's down to 27. Okay. Okay. So that even better. I like that even better. So if he, if he doesn't come out like attacking the rim, he's going to eventually like he's going to take 20 plus shots. So if there's a chance where you get like five, six minutes into the game or like Jimmy Butler hasn't scored or Jimmy Butler has two points and he's only taken one shot and that points prop starts dropping, I would still take it. He's going to shoot the ball a ton he's shooting the ball over 20 times per game in the playoffs um and in every game that they're winning like it comes down to the games that they've lost especially against boston jimmy did not have it going bam did not have it going if they want any prayer to win one of these games he's got to have it going i can't see him deferring especially in the nba finals where he's just kind of like content sitting back take like he had a 10 shot game in that boston series that's not going to happen so he's a guy I would look at if they don't go to him as early as you would expect to to take an over on his points prop. I like it. Any other pre-game props for game one that maybe you have your eye on so far? So one of the ones I'm looking at, um, I like Bruce Brown, three-point prop. I know he hasn't shot three well in the playoffs. It's like 28%, but he shot 35% in the regular season. He's taking a lot. I think he's one of the guys that Miami's going to be content with leaving open. The Lakers were kind of content with leaving him open. He made them pay. He hit a three in every single game in that series. Um, and then the other one, Jokic's PRA. I believe it's a 51 and a half. I think anything under like 55 and a half for him at this point is way too low. Like he is, he's putting up a triple double every night. Miami's going to get killed on the glass, I think, in this series. They got killed by Atlanta on the glass in the play in. Um, the Knicks had a couple games where they really crushed them on the glass. Like they don't have an answer for Jokic and they're not going to go with two bigs. And Kevin Love seems to be out of the rotation. Maybe they try, Spo decides to put him back in because he thinks he can get away with him on Aaron Gordon. But Kevin Love just wasn't giving them anything in that Boston series. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be guaranteed that's going to happen. Caleb Martin like, has played great, but that's not enough help on the glass against Jokic. He's also dominated Bam, as I mentioned earlier. So like I could see this be like a 30, 15, and 10 type of game for Jokic. So I'll probably take, I might take his over PRA every single game in this series of the way he's been playing. 
Yeah. And also just looking across the board uh, for anybody that is listening or, or tuning in, Jokic right now for his PRA, uh, 50 and a half. That's actually a very good number right now that you can find at DraftKings. A couple other books have already moved it to 51 and a half. Uh, one book has already moved it to 52 and a half. So that number, especially given everything that we've seen from Jokic, you're probably going to want to jump on that sooner rather than later. Um, and I also think you brought up an interesting point. Like, is Kevin Love completely out of the rotation? Because if he does get minutes, again, so many of these books, Peter, you have the ability to bet these props live. We will learn a lot about what these rotations might look like in the early going when if somebody comes onto the floor and they make an impact, you're going to want to consider jumping on that prop right away. And conversely, like if somebody's not getting like, I could very much see in a situation where they just don't trust Duncan Robinson to be on the floor defensively. And that was someone that got a decent amount of run because of his ability to make some outside shots against Boston because you knew Boston had to negate for it. Denver's going to play slower than Boston. And again, I, I just don't know if that necessarily suits Robinson's game. So he might be somebody where I'm looking at some of his numbers, especially on the rebounds and assists, uh, where I say to myself, this might be somebody that I want to fade here in game one. Yeah, I, I love that call too, because they Denver doesn't really have a good matchup for him defensively either. Like Boston, you could kind of get away with, they could stick him on Al Horford if they really had to. Like they, I also think for the uh, this difference between the Celtics and the Nuggets, I hate to harp on the Celtics so much, but like there are guys on Boston you're you're willing if you're Miami to let Marcus Smart shoot the three. Not that he's a bad three point shooter, but you're willing to let him shoot. You look at that Denver starting lineup. Even Aaron Gordon, every single one of those guys is shooting over thirty five percent from three in the playoffs. So who? Who's your pick your poison guy? Is it Contavious Caldwell Pope? He's shooting like 42% from three on the season. Like you, you don't want to leave that guy. You don't want to leave Porter Jr. You don't want to leave Murray. Jokic is shooting 47% from three in the playoffs. So like there is no guy you could kind of hide Duncan Robinson on. Um, and speaking of rotations, one guy I would uh, to bring up Bruce Brown again, Michael Porter Jr. earlier in the playoffs went to Michael Malone and told him he was okay with them closing games with Bruce Brown over him for defensive purposes, which one. Kind of shocked by that because uh, I did not expect that out of Michael Porter Jr., but clearly a team guy, so I you kind of love to see that. But I also think because Miami likes to play smaller, Brown's a better defender. He gives you another ball handler. He's the type of guy where his points props are going to fluctuate. It's probably going to be, I, I haven't looked at his, I think it's probably a 10.5 would be my guess for game one. Um, But he's a guy who he might see like low 20s minutes one night, but then the next night he might see low 30s. So he that's a kind of guy we're just going for kind of the game flow and seeing how it's going. He's a guy that I would potentially jump on some overs for um, just because I know they trust like we know they trust him. And if down the stretch, if he's going to play the non Jamal Murray minutes and then they're just going to decide in the fourth quarter, they're going to play both of them with KCP. Yeah, like he's going to just have the ball in his hands a good enough amount of times where he's going to have some shots. All right. So we've gone through our our picks for uh, game one. Uh, I assume you're still rolling with Denver uh, for the series as well. Hard to to go against, uh, especially having that 18 to one ticket. But Miami just has to be gassed at some point. And even though spoke and coach him up with anybody, Denver right now is just sitting pretty. So I, I assume you're going with Denver. How many games and, and why? Yeah, I got it on the sign behind me. I'm going Denver in six. I think they went in six. Last four NBA finals have all gone six games. Two of them have ended with the uh, road team winning it in game six. I respect Miami enough to think this gets to six. I just don't think Denver loses a home game. 
I, I like the Heat have kind of preyed off of winning road games. They won one against the Knicks. They won two against Milwaukee. They won three against Boston. I don't think they're going to be able to get one in Denver. Denver's just way too good of a home team. For these first two games, um, guaranteed without Tyler Hero, he might be back for game three. I could see Miami probably taking game three and four. Like I could see this being 2-2 heading back to Denver. I think Miami kind of puts everything in. I think Nuggets and six. There's no way in my mind it gets to seven. I hope that doesn't get clipped and old takes exposed. There's no way this gets to seven. I would be shocked. But I respect the Heat enough to not say Nuggets in four or five. Everybody said Boston in four or five, and I felt like it was disrespectful to what the Heat have done. So I'll say six. All right. I I will be a little disrespectful to Miami. I'll take Denver in five. I'll I'll say the Heat steal one. It'll either come um, in game one or game three will be my prediction as to when the Heat get that win. And again, if it comes in game one, we're going to have a whole lot to talk about. I do think it'll be close. You and I are both kind of in that that same vein that uh, at at some point it'll be too much Denver, but Miami will hang around given the fact that they are playing with a little bit of rust. Obviously, Denver is in a situation where it's very advantageous. Mentioned the stat from a little bit earlier. So I do like the Nuggets. I'll I'll take them to win it in five. Lastly, let's talk a little bit about uh, NBA Finals MVP. DraftKings does not have odds listed yet, so I will go through what I have currently on the board. Um, Jokic, clear runaway favorite. No surprise there. Honestly, if you're considering betting the Nuggets to win the series uh, at minus 400, you might as well just take Jokic at minus 350 to win MVP. It's basically the same thing. Butler on the other side, you're getting the severe discount, but at this point, you might as well take to win the finals at plus 310. Yoga Butler to win MVP, plus 330 uh, and plus 350. Here's where it gets interesting. So we talked about the impact the Murray has had, and, and Jamal Murray has not been a slouch in the NBA finals, but considering that he's available 12 to 1, you have to think that at some point Butler is going to take over in that matchup defensively. If you're looking outside of Jokic, because you and I both have Denver winning the finals, do you see value on a Murray at 12 to 1? Do you see value at Michael Porter Jr., like all of a sudden just going nuts at 200 to 1? Like, I, I guess I have a hard time seeing anybody but Murray if I'm looking for a value play for MVP. But then again, we just saw Caleb Barton go nuts for Miami and maybe put himself in a conversation where he's now the fourth guy on the board for NBA finals MVP. Yeah. The, the Caleb Martin stuff is crazy, but he's been great. I think it's really Murray or nothing. If you're going to try and not take Jokic here, because he's going to score the points. I mean, he's, he's been great scoring the ball. I thought he had an argument, uh, like f- over these first three series that he might be their best win, their best player so far. But the issue is, is like even when Jokic doesn't have good scoring games, he does every single other thing. It's so hard to like he's he might only score 20 points in the game, but he's going to have 15 rebounds and 14 assists. And you're just going to be like, yeah, I mean, he guy dominated the game like Murray's path to win is he's going to have to have like multiple 40 point games like he or multiple like 35 plus like carry them in a fourth quarter like he did in that Lakers series. Otherwise, I just don't, I don't know how Jokic gets it. That's the only other person I would even consider betting. Like, I think it's Jokic, Butler, and Murray. I wouldn't put, I mean, I thought Caleb Martin should have won Easter Conference Finals MVP just for how efficient he was. 
he got four of the votes. They still gave it to Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler was deserving. He played great, but it's like I don't know how much better Caleb Martin could play to pass Jimmy. But like, it's, I just don't think it's going to happen. And I also don't think they're going to win the series. So I would, I would say Murray's worth a sprinkle. Um, like if you're going to bet, like if you're going to bet on Jokic, you might as well throw something on Murray too, just to kind of because you're if you're going to lay that that number with Jokic, like just to kind of hedge, but. Yeah, I like Michael Porter Jr. just doesn't do enough out of scoring to win. It's kind of like Clay last year with the Warriors. Like right. you kind of knew it was going to be Steph because all Clay was going to do was score. Draymond doesn't score enough, and then it was like maybe Jordan Poole has a big game. Like there's just no. It was like so obvious it had to be that one guy. I think Murray is similar to like Jalen Brown last year with Boston, where like he might be able to steal the shine enough from Jokic, but it's unlikely. All right. Before I let you go, Peter, I know I said that this is going to be the last thing. I got one more for you. We're going to take one final break. On the other side of this, Pete, whenever, by the way, whenever uh, Peter has a, a good betting night, there's a great graphic of uh, his face looking like the moon, the man in the moon with the crystal ball. Uh, I'm going to have Peter bust it out uh, one final time th- this NBA season with uh, a bit of a bold prediction heading into the offseason. He can go in any direction he wants. Now I'll have him bring it to you next. Stay with us. It's Benny and the Bets. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, Peter. I'm going to give you a final opportunity. This will be the opportunity of opportunities to to get your off-season take out there before the masses do. We'll have the proof to say Peter was on it first. We'll give you the love. We'll give you the spotlight. It can be and it can be NBA draft related. It can be NBA futures related. It can be Nick Nurse is gonna get fired midseason by Phil <laughs> and I. Whatever it is that you're leaning into, it could be it could be the new the New York Knicks win the NBA Finals, which then I'll I'll cut you off. But um, <laughs> what's one thing that you've been kind of sitting on that you want to talk about? But you know you just can't talk about because it's final season. What what's that thing that's just right there in your chest that you want to be able to say uh, ahead of the NBA offseason? This is this is tough because <laughs> I have I have a Knicks prediction that I'm very very confident in. Um, we can we can go next. I, I I won't I won't shut you up. You're the guest here. Yeah, I will say I will say one thing because I. I've been doing a, a trade series on my TikTok, like predicting one offseason move for every team. I'm so fed up with Joe Lacob. He is destroying the Warriors, man. He's ruining Steph Curry. He's got a top 10 player of all time. And Joe Lacob decided to meddle in draft picks. And now Bob Myers is gone. I can't believe it. I think the Warriors make a, a big trade this offseason. I just, I, I, I'm not bold enough to predict exactly what it'll be. Okay. My, I, I will say my bold prediction I think Jalen Brunson goes second team all NBA next season. Um, I, I just think the playoff run again for the second straight year, people saw how impactful he is. The Knicks lost that series. They won the, they lost the Jalen Brunson minutes by like two points and he only sat, but they, or they lost the non Jalen Brunson minutes by 30 something points. And he only sat like 20 points in that series or 20 minutes in that series. I just think I thought he got insanely snubbed for an all-star selection um, I thought he was better than Drew Holiday all year. I thought he was better than Tyrese Halliburton all year. I think Julius Randle played so well, they just didn't want to give the Knicks two all-stars, which I get. is I understand that. But I think it's very obvious Jalen Brunson is the best player on that team. 
I just think you look at some of the guys who went all NBA and now with the new CBA, if you've got to play like 65 games, some guys are going to miss that threshold that uh, we would normally think are shoe-ins for all NBA. Like, is Kevin Durant going to hit that threshold? Is Devin Booker going to hit that threshold? I mean, even is Steph Curry going to hit that threshold? Jalen Brunson's going to play 65 games unless something crazy happens because Tom Thibodeau does not sit anybody ever. So um, I think he can go second team All-NBA. Obviously, De'Aaron Fox had a really good year this year. But, I mean, John Morant's another guy who potentially doesn't play enough games where there's just enough guys at the guard position they get banged up a lot. And uh, I was doing a little comparison thing with some some buddies the other day. And you put Jalen Brunson's numbers up. I, I'll let you, uh, you don't have to, we don't have to go through it completely now. But you put Jalen Brunson's numbers to Jimmy Butler's numbers in the playoffs, to Jason Tatum's, to Kevin Durant's, and you blind who the player is, you'd be like, wow, that guy's really good. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's Jalen Brunson versus all these other guys we consider top 10 NBA players. So that's my bold pick. I think he goes second team NBA. I think he's, personally, I think he might be the best point guard in the Eastern Conference right now. So I, I think he he has a shot to go second team All-NBA. As much as I would love to to crush it for for being a New York Knicks homer, like, you, you brought it. Like, it's, it's really good. It's pertinent. It's good data. And... He's in a spot, and listen, if, if Jimmy Butler can survive the Tom Thibodeau minutes, Jalen Brunson can too. You got to be in a very select group to be able to, to come it's out on the other side, and he's come out the other side looking fantastic. So maybe you look at Brunson as, uh, maybe you go ahead and just jump on him for even some MVP odds as well. Uh, he got an MVP vote this year. He got yeah. a, he got one, So which is crazy. He got one. I mean, I took a most improved player this year, and I mean, Shea and Laurie Markinen just were unbelievable. But like Brunson was kind of, he was that third guy. Like he was, he was in that conversation. So I know you can't, you can't really bet second team all NBA, I guess. But I mean, if there's ever an all-star prop for him, I would definitely bet him to be an all-star. But it's, yeah, that's just, that's a, a pick. I mean, I'll be rooting for it regardless, but I do think it happens. Pete, it's great to see you, man. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks so much for sharing your insight. Obviously, people can follow your work over at BetSided and on FanSided across the different platforms and networks. You're on Twitter at Peter Dewey too. I know you said you're doing a TikTok series as well. Where can they find you there? Yeah, same thing as my Twitter handle at Peter Dewey too. Um, ben, I appreciate you having me on, man. It was great to see you. Always great talking basketball with you. This is uh, this is the highlight of my day for sure. Ah, oh, you're the best, man. Good luck with that half marathon. Uh, keep grinding it out, and uh, we will do this again soon. So, for Peter. Always appreciate his time and his insight. For our producer, Nick, I am Ben. May all of your best bets hit. We'll do this again on a brand new edition of Benny and the Bets. Until next time, so long. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.